Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. That's no indication for what's to follow. Leviticus 8, verse 23, the Bible states these words. And he slew it. Moses took of the blood of it, put it upon the tip of Aaron's right ear, upon the thumb of his right hand, upon the great toe of his right foot. And he brought Aaron's sons, and Moses put up the blood upon the tip of their right ear and upon the thumbs of their right hands and upon the great toes of their right feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood upon the altar round about. If we could go forward to the New Testament scripture of Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 10, I'd like to read just one verse here for now. The Bible says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work, labor of love, which you have shewed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And do minister. For a little while tonight, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I'd like to minister this subject tonight. A blessing in the ministry. A blessing in the ministry. All right. Hallelujah. If you won't mind, just stretch your hand toward me tonight and just pray for your pastor, if you will. God would help me deliver what he's laid upon my spirit this afternoon. Father, Lord, I come to you right now. I'm asking, oh, Lord, for your anointing. I'm asking, oh, Lord, God, for a clarity of every mind and every heart. God, in this place, bring all thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ Jesus tonight. Help us, Lord, as we look at your word. Let it, Lord, speak, Lord, into our hearts and speak into our lives. Help me, God, to articulate it in such a way, God, that it could be understood. Lord, and I thank you and I praise you, Lord, God, for what you accomplish in this place. When I return to my seat, in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. You may be seated. Repeat after me. A blessing in the ministry. Now this evening, just so that someone doesn't go ahead and clock out right now from the very beginning and think that this does not apply to you because you are not in the ministry or you're not a a minister, uh, if you will, just repeat this after me. I am a minister. There you go. Amen. I am a minister. The root meaning of ministry in the New Testament scripture is to serve. As a matter of fact, one of the last lessons that Jesus wanted to instill in his disciples and to have a lasting impression upon them in their life was the washing of their feet before he departed from them. This action was normally done by a servant. It was the activity of a servant, but Jesus did it for his disciples. The Bible states in John 13 and verse 15, he says, for I have given you, Jesus says, an example, speaking to his disciples, that you should do as I have done to you. And what he had just done to them is that he had just went around, uh, had disvestured himself of his garments and put upon uh, the garments of a servant and had girded himself with a towel and had a water basin in hand and went around one by one and washed each of his disciples' feet doing the activity of a servant. Someone say he was doing ministry. He was doing ministry. The final example that he emphasized for his disciples was ministry, serving people. And every individual tonight here uh, in this place, sitting under the sound of my voice, whether you be male or whether you are female, whether you're uh, young or just a child or if you are elderly, you, every single one of you who's looking at me here this evening, no one bow their head right now, you are a minister. We all have this responsibility, if you will, of serving people in whatever capacity that we can. Uh, It is the last impression that Jesus wanted to leave with his disciples, that they were ministers, that they were uh, commissioned to minister and serve people. I believe it's the last impression that Jesus wanted to leave with us, that we should minister, 
that we should serve people. In our scripture reading in Leviticus chapter number eight this evening, Moses was no different from those disciples of the New Testament. He was called as God's deliverer for his people, but in many respects, Moses was a minister. Moses served people. Years and years of his life, was consumed with serving people. For 40 years, more or less, he had spent his life in the house of Pharaoh. For 40 years, he had spent his life on the backside of the desert because he killed an Egyptian that was smiting an Israelite. And for 40 years, he was spent on getting God's people out of Egypt, or if you want to say, to get Egypt out of God's people. He was trying to get God's people into their beloved promised land. For 40 years, he was in process of being the deliverer. And so without argument tonight, a good third of his life, by and large of that early life, a good third of his life was involved in ministry, in serving people. It was involved in caring for diligently the whole house of Israel. And as ministry would go for each and every one of us tonight, uh, whether it be preacher, Sunday school teacher, if you be one that just serve in the capacity of giving an encouraging word to someone that's down, maybe somebody else that uh, offers money to the one that is in need of it. Others have been known to send cards, uh, whether it's some type of ministry of the church, whether you sweep the carpet or mop the floor. You are in a ministry of serving people and the ministry of serving someone and so ministry sometimes can be a thankless post serving people sometimes can be a thankless post amen he came Moses did as an instrument of deliverance and he had well intentions to do just that he put everything in order to help deliver God's people from their bondage and while he had good intentions and while he meant well in what he did the people that he was trying to serve and the people that he was trying to help and minister to they interpreted a lot of what he was doing as something that he was doing to hurt them he was doing to increase the burdens upon their shoulders his good was interpreted as hurtful or unconcerned when that wasn't the case at all I mean has anybody in this place tonight ever tried to minister to people and the words you said or the gesture that you shared with them was totally interpreted different than what you intended you're just trying to help you're trying to you're trying to place you know a, a fit word like apples of gold and pictures of silver. You're just trying to give a word of encouragement, but it's totally taken in a wrong manner, in a wrong way, and that's just some of the the the, the, the hazards, if you will, of ministering to people. Some of the hazards of being in the ministry. Well, I'm here to set you at ease tonight. Moses can identify with you. Moses dealt with a steady diet of grumbling and complaining while he was trying to minister and serve people and get them out of their bondage. As a matter of fact, that sometimes Moses spoke to God and said, God, I've had enough of this people. I've had enough of this. I've been ministering to them and trying to serve them. I've had enough of this. And, and God, you can just have them and do with, you, with them with whatever you want to do with them. Because this ministry thing right now just kind of stinks. There are other times, though, that he stood in the gap for God's people and he told God, God, if you're going to blot them out of the book that you have been writing, then you go on and blot my name out too. Ministry, serving people. Yet in all of this, Moses, throughout his years and times with God, had the privilege to speak to God face to face, the Bible says, as a man would speak to his friend. He was honored to spend 40 days and 40 nights on the mount of God, and God would give him there the Ten Commandments. He would give him there the pattern to the tabernacle in the wilderness. He would include in everything that he gave to Moses all the laws and all the ordinances and all the things of consequence and the patterns and the way that things should be done in order to consecrate the priest and the high priest all that went along with that and it was during that encounter on the mount of God that God instructed Moses how he should minister to the high priest Aaron 
and to his sons, the priests. Moses ministered to Aaron, and Moses ministered to his sons. He served Aaron, and he served his sons in Leviticus chapter number 8. The word came to Moses in Exodus 29. Moses was told by God, this is how Aaron and his sons are to be consecrated, set aside for my use and for my purpose. And Moses, this is how you need to minister to them. This is how you need to serve them. And what he commanded and what he spoke to Moses on that mount in Exodus 29, in Leviticus chapter number 8, Moses is now being obedient to the instruction of the Lord. And Moses was ministering and serving Aaron and his sons. There is a huge task that is laid before him in order to minister to Aaron and his sons. This was no small investment on the part of Moses. Moses to minister to Aaron and his son. Someone say amen. He ministered to them and he served them. And I'm not going to go through the complete chapter of Leviticus chapter number 8. But just bear with me for a moment. We're going to go somewhere before this is all said and done here this evening. It was Moses' responsibility. I do not read in scripture that Moses was allowed to employ anybody else in this endeavor. But it was his sole responsibility. And you Stay with me here for a little while. I don't need you to disconnect or you're going to miss it all. Amen. It was Moses' responsibility to do everything everything that was done in Leviticus chapter number 8 and folks if you read chapter 8 there was a lot done in Leviticus chapter 8 in Moses ministering unto Aaron and ministering unto his sons if I may just for a moment the Lord had commanded Moses Moses you're going to minister to Aaron and you're going to bring Aaron and his sons before all the congregation and you're going to wash Aaron and you're going to wash his sons with water that's Aaron and his sons he had four sons at this time and so Moses not a group of people but Moses slowly by himself washes Aaron and four boys. Everybody say that took some time took some time but it didn't just stop with a washing. Moses now had to clothe Aaron as the high priest. The Bible says he had to go get the priestly garments. He didn't send somebody else to do this. Moses had to do it. He went and got the priestly garments. You can read everything that he put on Aaron to be the high priest. He put, and this wasn't Aaron putting this on. Moses was putting this on Aaron. The Bible says that he put a coat upon Aaron. He put a girdle around the coat that he put upon Aaron. He put a robe upon Aaron. He but the ephod, now this is taking time. Some of these things you're putting your arms through and putting your head through. You know how long it takes you to get ready? Imagine if somebody else was getting you ready. He's putting all this on. He's putting the ephod on him. He has another girdle, a curious girdle of the ephod. But this guy has two girdles on. He didn't put it on himself, but Moses is putting it on. He's putting the breastplate on there, fastening it just so on the front. He placed the yermin and the thummim, amen, that's inside of the breastplate, two little stones. He put the miter upon Aaron's head. He put the golden plate that says, holy unto the Lord, up on the miter. He's dressing Aaron. This is taking a lot of time, a lot of energy. He doesn't have any help, and he's doing it all by himself. But that's not all that it took to minister to him. The Bible goes on to say that Moses then anointed the tabernacle and all its furnishings. We're talking about the altar of incense. We're talking about the brazen altar. We're talking about the laver and its base. We're talking about the table of shoe bread. We're talking about the lampstand. We're talking about the tongs, the snuff dishes, everything else you can think of. He had to anoint. He didn't have a group of ministers come together and say, boys, here's your bottle of oil, anoint everybody's hands, and then go around and anoint all this stuff. No, it was just Moses that was walking the whole length and width and breadth of that place, anointing everybody, everything. Everybody say, that takes time. Whenever he anointed everything in the tabernacle, he then went back to Aaron, and guess what he does? He anoints Aaron. With those boys. And now that Aaron's fully clothed here with all the priestly garments and he's anointed, the house of God's been anointed, you know what happens next? Moses got to take each one of those four boys and he's got to dress them. He's ministering. He's serving these people. He puts coats on them. The Bible says he puts girdles on them. The Bible says he puts bonnets upon their head. Now that might just be three items, but they take three times twelve, three times four, and that's twelve. That took some time. Took some energy. He invested something. And then the scripture tells us. 
Everybody all right? It tells us in order for him to minister to them, he had to get somehow acquire or bring with him to the ceremony of ministering to these people. He had to get or acquire or bring a bullock for a sin offering, two rams, one for a burn offering, one for a ram of consecration, and a basket of unleavened bread. He had to be in the kitchen somewhere along the way. Somebody hear me right now. I'm talking about a lot of energy, perhaps some expense, somewhat of investment, a lot of time that's involved in ministering to the people. It's a lot of work. The Lord didn't allow anybody else in it. It was Moses' responsibility to do this. The initial ministry of ministering to Aaron and to his sons, ministering to them, serving them. Now look, it's not, someone say it's not over. Someone say, I'm tired already. Moses had to bring them the bullock for the sin offering in. He had to kill the bullock. That's not an easy task. I don't know what he had to dagger, oh sword, what he had to do in order to kill it, but he had to, he had to let the blood drain from that animal. It probably fought him to a certain degree. He had to slay the bullock, or slew it, the Bible says, and in the process of the blood being drained, he had to catch that blood in some way from the bullock and then put the blood on the altar in the different places that the Scripture says that the blood should be applied, and then he goes back to the bullock. I'm, I'm not trying to be boring. He's going back to the bullock, and he grabs the fat out, the bullock, the call out of the bullock, the two kidneys out of the bullock, and the, the fat that they have on them, and then he burns them on the altar. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Tell you what, Moses make me break a sweat. He got all, I mean, he's, he's already clothed all these people and anointed everything and anointed them, and, and now he's killing animals and he's pulling their inyards out, <laughs> laying them on the altar, and he's burning them. And then, add insult to injury on this same animal. We're just in one animal right now. He had to take the hide and the flesh and the dung of that animal, and he had to go outside the camp, which was a journey of a few miles, and burn all that outside, but he couldn't go home from there because he still had more to do. He still had to serve the people, and he had to come back. He didn't send that to some little errand boy and say, go take care of the dung and the flesh and the hide for me. No, Moses had to go do it. He's ministering, serving the people. Well, if that ain't all there is, then Moses brought the ram. Amen. The Bible says for a burnt offering here. And guess what he has to do? Nobody else but Moses. Moses kills it. Moses cuts it in pieces. Moses burns the head and the pieces and the fat thereof. Now get this. And there were some pieces of the ram that he had to wash. He had to wash the inwards and the legs before he could burn them. That's the way God said it had to be, and that's the way it was. This is the way that you're going to minister to Aaron and his sons. This is the way you're going to serve the people. I know you like just kind of just, just take that animal, still alive, not have to kill it and throw it on the burnt offering and get this all over with, but that's not the way it's got to be done. You got to kill it. You got to drain the blood. You got to cut it in pieces. You got to wash the legs, and you got to wash, amen, the other pieces of the inwards, and then you lay it on the altar, and then you burn it. Everybody say, one man's doing this. He's ministering to the people. And then they bring the third animal, another ram. Everybody, all right, the ram of consecration. And guess who's going to kill this ram? You'll catch on quick. Moses, he's going to kill it. And the blood is being drained from the animal in some measure, Brother Terry. He has to set it up in order for the blood to be caught. Because this blood, listen to me, comes to our scripture setting that he's going to take this blood and he's going, to, he's going to touch Aaron's right ear with that blood. He's going to touch Aaron's right thumb with that blood. He's going to touch Aaron's right toe, big toe that is. They call it the great toe. <laughs> Amen. With that blood. He's going to do that to Aaron. And he's going to do that to his four sons. He's going to do that to Nadab. He's going to do that same process to Abihu. He's going to do that same process to Eleazar. He's going to do that same process to Ithamar. And then he's going to take the blood and sprinkle it around the altar. Now, folks, we are still a long way from everything that Moses had to do to minister to Aaron and his sons. But it got me where I wanted to be. There's still a lot left if you continue reading Leviticus chapter number 8. <clears throat> that was required for Moses to minister. 
Amen. But I'm not going on with the rest of the chapter. There's still a lot of, lot of work involved. That's still just going to be for one person, Moses. And so Moses, already up to this, in, this segment of time right here, has already invested a lot of time. He's already invested a lot of energy. He no doubt, I don't know how the animals were gone. If he had to pay for them, rear them himself, how it happened. But he suffered perhaps somewhat of an expense so that he could consecrate Aaron and his son, so that he could minister unto Aaron and his son, so that he could serve people he was anointing and placing blood upon these that were going to be serving in a row that was deemed higher than the row he was currently serving in he was anointing some people for a service that was going to be serving in a capacity that was even greater than his of being a deliverer he was ministering to a group of people that was going to supersede his position. Listen to me. Think of all the effort. Think of all the toil that he has involved here. Just for a few years later, two of the four sons of Aaron by the name of Nadab and Abihu that Moses diligently ministered to and anointed and clothed and put blood on their ear, their hands, and their feet. These two boys would offer strange fire in so much on the altar of incense that the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came down and took their life in the very same moment they offered strange fire and they lost their lives without ever bearing children. He ministered to these boys. He ministered to these people. Listen, folks, if he could just think back to that moment in time after they offered that strange fire, taking off the circuit of the priesthood, amen, having no offspring, amen, after them, Moses could start to think to himself, I did all that work. I've done all that work to consecrate those boys. I took a lot of my own time and I invested in those boys. I suffered much expense in order to set those boys apart, in order to minister to them, in order to serve them. And now what do I have to show for their lives? There's not even any offspring that comes from them. They're now dead. They're no longer serving in the capacity of a priest. They're gone. There's no offspring. What do I have a lot of sweat in them and I don't have anything to show for it. I got a lot of time in them and I don't have anything to show for it. There's a lot of expense that went just in those two that I invested, but I don't have anything to show for it. I ministered to them and served them, but I don't have anything to show for it. Folks, I can tell you as a minister, and you all ministers too, you minister and you serve to people in your everyday lives. People that know God and people that know God. You give the words of encouragement. You're a shoulder literally some time for them to cry on. That's ministry. You're serving people. You're ministering to them. And I wish I could stand up here and say this evening to you all, amen. And I wish that every individual we ever anointed, amen, stayed in the same capacity. I wish every ear that we put blood on still always listened to the voice of God. I wish every, every, foot that we ever put blood on continue to walk in the ways of the Lord I wish all the time and sweat and investment that we ever put in putting the blood upon their hands that they would be diligently involved in the work of the Lord but folks the fact of the matter is simply this they don't always stay consecrated for the purpose they were ordained for but then if they don't and they won't some won't if they don't our involvement in ministry our involvement in serving them amen was not in vain. And I'm going to get to preaching here before I'm done. The reality, listen to me. The reality of this circumstance was never made any more clearer to me than a week ago at WYC. We went to WYC. And I love times like that. Because you know what we say in ministry, sometimes you're like a sponge that's wrung out and you need to be ministered to. And so I went with this in mindset, you know, it's going to be good to hear Pastor David Akers preach the word of the Lord. He's a fabulous, sent from a young child up. I've heard him, always enjoyed his preaching and ministry. And so I was going, going to be able to sit in the audience and not on the platform and going to be able to be ministered to. 
And the songs were great, brother. Pastor Yarnacek was over there, man, and he was singing. And his music director, Seth, was singing. And son, they had the music was tight. And, and the songs were lifted up glorious into the Lord. And that sanctuary was compact, full, up in the balcony, full. You had a hard time finding a place to park on the parking lot. As a matter of fact, there wasn't places for everybody to park. They were just kind of just all there. And it was wonderful. And it was getting close, Brother Mason, to the time that I knew the transition of the service was coming. We was about ready to get to the ministry of the word of the Lord. And so I'm like, speak to us, Jesus, you know. I'm getting on the edge of my seat. I don't know anybody else is in the room but me and whoever's speaking because my undivided attention, I'm about ready to be ministered to. And in the process of all this, Sister Hall came from a side room. This is the first time we ever had conference at this church. She came from a side room. And I was sitting by Robert Coffey, Pastor Robert Coffey. He had come from Ohio over to be a part of that. I preached for him. We was good friends, so we sat by him. And she got him. And he had a minister that came with him, Brother Loper. And he, he grabbed him too. And Brother Coffey says, come here. I didn't know where I was going, but I knew it was about time for the preaching. I needed to be ministered to. He took me and he just said, well, I don't know what we're doing. I just thought I'd grab you. You just have to know him. And so we grabbed and we went and we followed Sister Hall over here back into where they had a gymnasium and Kids Quest was set up back there. My, my children were back there at Kids Quest. There was a lot of kids there. I don't know how many kids was there, but there were a lot of kids. I'd say at least 50 kids there was back there, probably somewhere around there, pretty easy. And so they had just had a lesson on the scripture in Leviticus 8 that I spoke to you tonight. And they needed help with the kids because the kids were lined up on each side and they had this little basin there on a table that, that was red. I'm assuming it was water that was dyed, had food coloring of red in it. And they wanted the ministry to help with the kids that were coming for and dip our hands in there and get their right ear lobe and their right thumb and, and their right foot. And I was praying for all of these kids. I, I was serving. I went from going to be ministered to to now ministering. And so they had that little base in there and I'm dipping my hand in there. I'm praying, God, let these kids always hear your voice. And I go to their thumb, let their hands be involved. I don't know what the others were praying, but that's what I was praying, felt led to pray. Prayed I'd get down on my knees and pray for their feet that God would guide them. Man, there's just a long line. Some of them are crying. Others are speaking in tongues. And we're praying over all these kids and I'm dipping and going, honey. I, man, I'm ministering. I'm ministering to people. Man, I, just, I really was one to be over here getting ministered too, but I'm over here among the kids right now. We're ministering to these children. We're serving them. And in the process of doing that and dipping my hand in that basin, I looked down and my hand was tainted red. And Brother Coffee looked at me, I guess at the same time I was looking at my hand, the atmosphere in there was kind of darkened in there. You couldn't see real well. I looked at my hand, I could see it was a little tainted red from constantly doing that. And he noticed the same. And again, you just have to know him. I don't know if this was just kind of off the cuff, just making light of the whole scenario. And he said, yeah. He said, you never thought about that, did you? You can't do this without getting it on you. And the moment he said that, and I don't know how he was saying it, and I might not have him verbatim, the Spirit of the Lord laid something on my heart. The Spirit of the Lord laid something on my heart that while I was ministering to those kids and touching their ear and touching their thumb and touching their toe, the Spirit of the Lord laid something on my heart and said, McGee, you cannot minister to others without being ministered to yourself. You can't involve yourself in the trenches of ministering to people. And if you're using some blood and you're using some oil, without that, get it on your own hands. No, somebody's not hearing me quite yet. What I'm telling you, every time you give that word of encouragement, you're ministering to somebody. But honey, whenever you apply that blood and you apply that oil and you're like, God, I'm wrung out. I need something myself. You keep on ministering because while you minister to them, honey, it's getting on your hands. Somebody hear me tonight. What are you saying? I'm saying Moses would never stand in the place where Aaron stood. Moses would never stand in the place where those four boys were. He would never have his right lobe anointed. He would never have his right thumb, amen, with blood on it. He would never have his big toe with blood on it. But since he involved himself in the ministry of people, he will walk away that day with tainted hands that had blood. There's a blessing in ministry. 
what's the deal with all of this? What about all the time? What about all the energy? What about the experience? Well, what about it? Pause for a moment and look down at your hands. You've been ministered to as you've ministered. Can I get a little more volume on this? My voice is just a little weak here this evening. <laughs> well, Moses. Ooh. Man, he seems to be the lone ranger here in ministering. But as he's doing it, Bishop, he could not have walked away from that place with killing three animals, a bullock and two rams. He could not walk away from that place without handling the oil that he handled and walk away there with his garments with splatterings of blood, without his hands tainted by blood, without there being an oily residue from where he had touched and anointed. How'd that come about, Moses? Because you stayed in your tent? No, because I got involved and I served the people and I ministered to people. And whenever I went home at night, after I felt like a sponge wrung out, I see God had depart, somehow inserted, amen, and put a deposit within my own life. I did not go, I go without being ministered to. Everybody say, I'm a minister. We're a minister. We're a minister. And there's this terminology in ministry. With preaching, teaching, ministry, but in ministry. There's this terminology, I've heard it said, in churches. Sometimes I flirted with the concept myself. And it's the idea, well, you know, I'm burnt out. I'm burnt out. And we talk like the Apostle Paul. We, we've, we've spent and been spent. We've hazarded ourselves for the gospel. But there's a principle. That if I'm ministering to others, I'm going to get some of it on me. Listen to Pastor McGee tonight. I feel like I had a visitation from heaven over here today. This, this, this. Well, I'm burnt out. Just don't know if I can give anymore. I don't know really, Brother Mason, if there is such a place as being burnt out in serving people if you're using the tools of the blood and the oil. Because as long as you use the tools of the blood and the oil, there's always going to be a residue that stays with you. The only way, perhaps this is it. The only way, perhaps there can for surely be true burnout in ministry is whenever you try to minister without the blood and without the oil. Because if you don't minister with the blood and the oil and you minister without it, there's no residue to be left over. The Bible speaks to us on more than one occasion 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 18 and these are some verses that I love in the door but the Bible says and all things are of God who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given to us everybody say to me the ministry of reconciliation to it that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and have committed unto us everybody say to me the word of reconciliation he's given to us the ministry He's given to us the word. He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. What is that? That somehow, by all means and purposes, if we can somehow be included in the equation of closing the gap between humanity and the God that first formed them and loves them. Sometimes the ministry for you is as Galatians 6 and 1 speaks, that whenever you see a brother fall, ye that are spiritual, ye that are spiritual, go and restore such a one. Amen. In the spirit of meekness, considering thine own self, lest thou be tempted. Sometimes being in the ministry and serving others is that. It's helping somebody else up. It's being an encouraging word. Perhaps it's a little money here for those that are in need of it. All of that is ministry. And folks, let me tell you, some of the people you help, amen, may not be here today. And some of the people you're helping right now through serving them and ministering to them, they may not be here tomorrow. But that does not mean your time spent in that in vain. Pause and look at your hands. Pause and look at your fingers. 
I've come to encourage this body of believers. Some of you have been in this church for years and years and years and you've been it on the high tide and you've been with it on the low tide and you've given of yourself and you went to your closet of prayer and you prayed many prayers and you fasted days for people that left you disappointed. Amen. That's no longer around and neither gave any offspring. Amen. To continue. But sir or ma'am, go on and pray another prayer and fast another day because if you look at your hands, there's the residue of the oil of ministering to people on your life. Amen. Elijah thought his ministry was done and it was nigh done, but the Lord still had him a few anointings to do before he would somehow transfer off the scene. And the very first thing that would happen was that he would go to see Elisha and cast his mantle upon him as he was plowing with uh, some 12 yoke of oxen. And whenever that happened, Elisha went to tell his mom and dad goodbye and he burned all the, the, the wood and the oxen and offered up a sacrifice to God and he began to follow Elijah. And the Bible plainly says after that mantle fell upon him that he arose and Elisha went after Elijah and ministered unto him Elisha what in the world are you doing he's already cast his mantle upon you what are you doing he understood the principle he said I'm going to minister to that man while he's still alive I'm going to minister to him and I'm going to serve him because I can't minister to him without getting something on me I can't touch him and minister to him without getting something on me. Folks, there's people that are sitting in this building. They're ministers. You're ministers. You're ministers. We have ministers in this place. And hopefully we have, in the literal sense, up and coming ministers, but we have ministers in this place. Let me tell you right now, you won't find any a better individual that will connect with a new sower, or a new convert like Zach McGee. You won't find a person that will check on people, amen, that may be down and out and not just like everybody else would mesh with like Zach McGee. He'll go there and he'll do that, amen. And there might be some days, he, I don't know this, I'm not talking to him, but I'm just saying there might be some days wondering, is it really, is it really accounting for anything? Is anything really going on? It would sometimes it seems like I'm Moses and I'm the only one doing what I'm doing is there any count to it Zach I want to encourage you in the Lord today pause every once in a while and look down at your hands because there's some tainted blood there that while you've ministered to other people that no one else would minister to there's some blood there there's some oil there God's ministering to you as you minister to others Ministry, 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 ministry happens in this house. I wish I had the money in this church to be able to pay on staff Rhonda Penrod of the hours that she spends here from noon to five and past five almost every day, sometimes on weekends and late nights that she spends here. She does all these books and all these other things. It's a thankless job many times, but what is she doing? She's ministering. She's ministering. And if she would pause on some of those afternoons and look down at her hands, a residue of oil, a residue of blood. I wish I could count the times that I've called Fred McGee up and say we have somebody to baptize just a few days from now and without hesitation he says I'll get to it. Although he does a multitude of other things he says I'll get to it. Fred that's not in vain. That's not a waste of time. That's not unaccounted for. If you look down at your hands there's a residue of blood. There's a residue because you can't minister without being ministered to. I don't have enough of money over the past 20 some odd years that the Mason has have been a part of this church and have served in functions of, of, of leadership and leading songs and playing and with youth and with Friday nights. They've invested almost every Friday night of their life for the past several years in ministry to the young people. Amen. Doing that. And then Sunday comes and has something else to prepare for. Hold a full time job all the while doing that. Singing and playing at the same time. I don't have the money. Amen. In order to somehow make the offset for everything that they have done but they have ministered to people they have served to people and if they've done it with the blood and they've done it with the oil you might look out and say well where's Nadab and Abihu listen there's always going to be a Nadab and Abihu that will offer some strange fire and go off the scene but that does not take away that when they were there they were ministered to with bloody hands and 
and oily hands. Mason, I'm asking you tonight, Alex, as you grow up in their family, you just take a moment in time every once in a while and look down at your mom and dad's hands. That taintedness of redness on their hands is because they ministered to people. That oil that dripped from their fingers, it's because they ministered and served people. Moses staying in the tent want to put the blood on his hands. Moses staying in the tent want to put the oil on his hands. It was his ministry, his involvement in serving people. Anybody else could scoff over Moses. Oh, what's that with you and the blood on your garment? What's that with the blood and taintedness on your hands? Listen, boys, this didn't come without an investment. This didn't come without some time. This didn't come without some expense. It's because God asked me to minister to the people. And I beckoned and heeded the call. And so I stand here having been ministered to myself because I ministered to people. It's not convenient to minister to people. It's not convenient to minister to people. It doesn't just fit in your schedule. Don't just fit in your schedule. This just, this just doesn't happen by accident. You know what it takes to minister to people? It takes denying some of yourself things. It takes denying some of your own pleasures. And you're looking at a man that believes in balance. I try to balance my family time and my church time. Believe you me, on Saturdays very seldom do you find me over here while I'm with my family. Now, after my kids go to bed, you might see my nose in the books. But I try to save Saturday. But listen to me, folks. Sometimes it even takes denying some of that to minister to people. But after you get done dipping your hand in that basin five or ten times, you cannot but walk away with a stain. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible says, and I'm not reading all these scriptures. I've already been up here pretty long, and I could probably hold you a little longer. But the Bible speaks in scripture of a man by the name of Joseph. Hey, man, we understand a little bit of Joseph's story of being sold into slavery, serving in the house of Potiphar, and being lied on by his wife, found himself in prison. As a result of that, he arose, amen, to the, the authority, if you will, of the prison. He was the kingpin in the pen. Uh, he 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 become the main prisoner. I don't, whatever you know. Write in your diary about that. You know, I was the best prisoner of them all. You know, but he became the best prisoner of them all. And there was a butler and a baker that both had a dream in the same night. And Joseph took some time to minister. He's in his own personal prison. Someone hear me right now. And he took time to minister. I assure you. It was not the easiest thing to minister in his own prison. Someone hear me? Not easy for him to minister in his own prison. But he put forth the effort. He ministered to them. He told them the interpretations of the baker. He was going to lose his life. Of the butler, he was going to be restored to his position and his place. And one of the lasting things that Joseph told that butler, he says, hey, whenever you get out, hey, remember old Joe, okay, the head of the head prisoner? Don't forget about me. Do you know what happened? He was forgotten about. I was in my own prison, and I ministered to him, and he forgot. I invested in him. I took time diligently invested in him, and yet he forgot me. But not yet two years later, as Pharaoh was having his dreams, did the butler remember that Joseph that was in prison? Amen. And they got him out. But Joseph, listen to me, folks. Joseph, don't look vainly at those times you interpreted the dream of the baker and the dream of the butler. Don't look vainly at those times that in your own hardship and your own prison that you ministered to them. Because whenever, listen to me, folks, because Joseph, whenever you interpreted their dream, 
dreams, your own dream was going to be further fulfilled as you interpreted their dreams. What are you saying, Joseph? You was being ministered to by your dreams being a little bit more fulfilled as you was interpreting and ministering to somebody else. Is everybody okay? Let me skip here just a little stuff and we'll, we'll come here to a close. Jesus goes to a cross. From there, he calls out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? part of ministry the aspect that some people don't come to terms and talk about but there is a loneliness in true ministry when you serve people Christ cries out on the cross my God my God why hast thou forsaken me I've spent 33 years or so upon this earth my purpose for coming is what's taking place right now the past three, three and a half years of my life, I've been involved in personal ministry to people, to the 12, to the multitudes. I've given up myself. I didn't have no place even to lay my head while I walked upon this earth. I ministered. I gave up myself. And now, at this juncture in the road, I feel all alone. I feel by myself. If you'll just listen here just for a little moment further, I can just hear the voice of heaven saying back to him, listen, listen, the blood, the blood, Jesus, that's dropping down your brow for the sin of these people that's ministering to them cannot drop down your brow without getting on you. That blood that's flowing out of your mangled back in order to minister and to serve these people for giving them healing cannot happen without it getting on you. If you'll stand with me and then, so as we minister, each and single one of us, male, female, elderly, young, as we minister, as we serve people within the church, without the church, as you minister, you're going to get ministered to. As you minister with that blood and you minister with that oil, you're going to get ministered to. While there may be a tank color of red on that ear where you applied it and a tank color of red on that thumb and on that toe where you placed it, you will go home that day with that same hue of color on your own hands because you gave yourself to ministry and you didn't have to take a break you didn't have to say well I'm a sponge wrung out and I need to be ministered to just keep ministering to people and as you minister to people you'll get ministered to someone say amen the Bible says and I close with this verse I really do I really do Hebrews 6, Sister McGee, and back to verse 11. If, allow me to read verse 10 first. I know that's way back at the beginning, but if you'll allow me to read verse number 10, if you don't want to put it up there, I'll just read it. Remember what the Scripture said. It said, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which ye have shewed toward his name and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Now, look, 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 look at verse 11. He says, And... We desire that every one of you do shew the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until, until the end. What's he Paul saying? He said, we're not forgot your labor of love. We're not forgot your work. We not forgot your time and your expense, your sweat, your blood, your tears that you've expended in order to minister to people. We've not forgot that. You might not realize it. You may not pause to look at your hands, but you've been ministered to through all that. But notice what he's saying. Don't give up. Don't let the Nadab and the Abihu's let your heart be crestfallen that you throw in the towel and say, what good is this? 
Why should I involve? Why should I go to the extra expense? Why should I spend the extra time? Why should I invest? Because Nadab and they, because they're leaving anyway. No, 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 no! Don't do that. Uh, he says, "I'm wanting you just to have the same diligence in the end as you did when you first started ministering unto people. Don't lose that zeal." Don't, 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 don't lose that tenacity and that tenaciousness to want to minister to people just because you feel like you've been burned a few times and you feel, per se, burnout. Look down at your hands. There's a blessing. A blessing in the ministry. If we close our eyes here tonight, there's a blessing in the ministry. Each one of you are a minister tonight. I've heard people give encouraging words. I've, heard, I've seen people post on other people's walls on social media. I've seen people pat someone on the back and tell them everything's going to be okay. I've seen people prepare meals for others. I see Sunday school teachers that diligently prepare lessons for their children and preachers and teachers that prepare lessons for the times whenever they come out here. I see others that just call and check on someone and ask how they're doing. I, I see others that whenever it's even outside of the scope of church life and they just need some help or need a little aid, you're there to offer a hand. What is that, Pastor? That's ministry. That's ministering to people. And it doesn't always come out of the office of convenience. Sometimes it inconveniences us. Sometimes it costs us money. Sometimes it's some of our own sweat and toil. But you can't do that. If I get anything in your head, you cannot do that without being ministered to yourself. There'll be blood on your hands. Maybe there'll never be someone placing it there putting you in the row of a high priest. But there'll be blood on your hands because you was involved in the ministry. Ha! There'll be oil dripping from your wrist. Because you involved yourself in anointing everything you could touch. God anoint that life. God anoint that church. God anoint this outreach. God anoint these new converts. God Oh, yes. Because there's some investments that's been made and some money that's been spent that, folks, I can't point to a person and say, there it is. I can't point there. I can't do it, Brother Terry. I can show you where they were. But I can't show you where they are as far as in the church. I can't do that. Time, energy, effort. But I can't do it. But you know what I can do? I can find a line in my hand where old credit oil's there from where I said, God, touch their ears and let them always hear your voice. God, touch their feet and always give them direction. God, touch their hands and let them always be involved in the work of the Lord. And they're not. But as I ministered to them, God was doing some ministry to me. I know Bishop and Sister McGee wishes that they could over the collective years of ministry say, we got all that we ever touched Everyone that we ever put blood on, they're still here. Everyone that we ever anointed and put our hands on, they're still here. But it's not. But what was done in those moments was not done in vain. You go look at those elders' hands. <laughs> Woo! You go look at some of those gray-headed elders' hands and look at the oil and look at the blood. That's there because they didn't stay in their tent. They were involved in ministry. In ministry to people ministry to people. Let's bow our heads in this place if you'll start calling to God and talking to God. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.